Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah What's up? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be diving back into Nehemiah 11 and 12 today. Um, we left off on chapter 10, finished it up, and we are going to be diving into this right now. So let's get started. Um, chapter 11, basically, as you said before, Lee, it's a list of names. Um, so, what is the main context? Of chapters 11 and 12. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Well, they, they finally have all the business done, and now they're getting down. They, they've, they've rebuilt the city. Everything's complete. Now they're basically handing out the jobs, appointing people to the, to the important jobs that they'll need to keep life running in Jerusalem. Right, right. So... Along with the leaders, um, one-tenth of the Israelites were to reside in Jerusalem, um, which they called the Holy City. Um, They were chosen by lots, uh, as we can find in Proverbs 16.33 also. But um, those who volunteered were either the ones chosen by lots who gladly moved to the city or were additional men. Um, Some priests and the Levites, including temple servants, lived in the surrounding towns and villages and commuted to Jerusalem when they served in the temple. Um, Others were not civil or religious leaders, and they took up residence in Jerusalem. Um, They were of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Um, As we're going to see in uh, verse 4 through 19, we're going to see the descendants of various family heads um, who moved into Jerusalem included 468 laymen of the tribe of Judah, um, also 928 laymen of the tribe of Benjamin, and 1,192 priests, 284 Levites, 172 gatekeepers, and 3,044 3,400 were men all together. So we can see that there is a lot of men and a lot of jobs that are being assigned and uh, a lot of things are being done. Yeah, they've got a whole city that they're trying to to manage here. Right. You know, it's more than just the temple. Obviously, like, the temple service is incredibly important. It's the center of of Israelite life. But, I mean, they're going to need garbage men. They're going to need 
carpenters. They're going to need um, repair people. They're going to, you know, they're going to need all sorts of people doing all sorts of things. Right. And you know, since since they've they've put the city back together, it's it's got to be populated because the last thing they want to do is is leave a bunch of houses open and just basically encourage uh, Gentile peoples to come in, and then they're in the same problem that they were in before. Right. So they've got to they've got to fill the city up with covenant people. Yeah, and and what's really interesting, I found out that the the priests came from six family six family heads. Um, you have Jedediah, um, the son of Jorah. I can't even pronounce his name. Have no idea what this is. Jorab, Jorab, no idea. Let's see which which verse are you in. Um, this would be do, 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 do. ten. Yeah. Yeah, Jediah, the son of Joyareeb. Joyareeb, yeah, whatever. Joshin, um, Sariah, Adiah, Amashiah, yeah, whatever. Um, the the names refer to the individuals who were. Um, spelling variations. Uh, the son of Jorb is Jehoraiba. I can't. I'm not even going to pronounce this name. Um, <laughs> but it is difficult to know why the 1,192 priests defer in total of the 1,760 in First Chronicles um, 9:13. Um, we don't know. I wonder if, why if some this, of them were caught up caught up in the intermarriage issues that we right. talked about back right. in Ezra. Maybe they were defrocked. They could they could have been. Yeah, very well. Um, but yeah, if you want to check that out, the other total number is in 1 Chronicles 9.13, so check that out. And, noise. Uh, noise. Noise. All right. Now. That pretty yeah, much... so there are numbers of priests yep. there that you were talking about. There are numbers of Levites gatekeepers um, and then the rest of the israelites yeah it's it's a pretty straightforward chapter there's not really a whole lot of like a whole lot of anything to really talk about that's like really deep so <laughs> yeah right None well i mean the really yeah the, the deepest you can go with it is the fact that it even at this point they're still keeping you know somewhat meticulous records of who's coming in Who's living where? Who's settled where? Because the the better they do that now, the easier it'll be for later generations to know, you know, the boundary lines for different families, right. uh, portions of land, and it, and it's part of the covenant too. I mean, people who've signed the covenant because because they're in the covenant with with Yahweh, part of that is the land, and right. so it's it's important if we're going to work out the covenant and everybody's going to. To, to the best of their ability, maintain it, then a, a good portion of, of uh, their responsibility is going to be who's living where and how are we going to pass that down generation to generation because that's all part of the promise. So this is a, I guess I'd call it like a functional chapter. Yeah, it's you know, extremely important. No it's ex yeah, it's, it's extremely important. This chapter is key. Um, I didn't mean it like that. I hopefully it didn't come across that way. Oh, then. no. Well, but... It's just, there's not a whole lot of, you know, symbolism, there, there, nothing like that. It's, content. It's, it's just like, 
like just the facts. You know, this is a yeah. It's functional. It's a functional. Yeah, thing. it's 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 important in but its it, own way. Right. It's a genealogical chapter, uh, pretty much. Pretty much getting the head. Um, you're going to get this in chapter 12 as well. Um, as we dive into chapter 12, um, I'm pretty sure we can run right through chapter 12 as well. Um, this is the list of the priests and the Levites um, from 12, 1 through 7. David had appointed 24 priestly divisions to serve in the temple. Um, we find this in 1 Chronicles 24, 7 through 19. So that you can find that um, where David had appointed 24 priestly divisions to serve in the temple in 1 Chronicles 24, 7 through 19. Um, when it would be built, now Nehemiah lists the 22 leaders of the priests who returned from Babylon um, with Zerubbabel and Jeshua, or Yeshua. Zerubbabel. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Almost 100 years earlier in 538 B.C., um, Perhaps the two names were dropped from the list and copying, or perhaps it was not possible to fill the roster of the 24. I don't know. Maybe didn't have room for them. Right, or, yeah, couldn't have room for them. Who knows, but that's what I'm sure there were probably some of those issues then. Right. You know, it's interesting, you know, they were were basically an an apostate people here, but, um... It's it's kind of interesting that they at least they still had the records of of who should have held the office. They might have not held the office properly and done it done it well to the glory of God, but they at least cared enough that they that they knew who was who was passing these roles down through their families. Right. Which I think is very important. Um, we we really just skip over these, and I think we miss the point of why this is happening and why they're doing this. Even though, hey, you can't pronounce all the names. Get granted, <laughs> I am one of them. Just work yeah, your I way through either. it. Work your way through it. Just guess, or just read over them as normal people do, um, and kind of just get a sense of who these people are. Um, and what what's their importance? Um, yeah, it's it's good to know that they were they were real people and they did they did real work that they were appointed to do by God and that they're all part of the succession that's leading us to Christ. Right, and uh, it's I think it's important, especially in these sections when you have all these names listed, that you have a, a decent study Bible, like the ESV study Bible or the Reformation study Bible. Oh, um, yeah. Because... You can say the CSB study Bible if you want. Or the CSB can... study Bible as well. It's yeah. pretty good. We all knew um, you were thinking it. Or but... Life Application, the NIV Zondervan, no. the NET <laughs> yeah, Second that, that, Edition, That John new MacArthur. NIV study Bible's cool. Yeah. You can get... But, uh... In any of those good study Bibles, and it's going to really get in depth with those names and and point you to certain names within those lists, the genealogies throughout Scripture and whatnot, right. that stick out in the line that leads up to Christ and important names that you need to know. and Because uh, otherwise people just kind of glaze over when they get to parts of the, the Scripture like this. And... Uh, they're there for a reason. You need to, uh, like, uh, what in chapter 12, uh, verse 16, 
So we're talking about the heads of the priestly families here. And on verse 16, uh, it says Zach- Zechariah of Ido. Oh, which, yeah. Which is That's the, the, the Zechariah, the minor prophet. Dude. So he is. That's so he's, cool. He's right in there. Right. And then you can. And it's pretty cool because then you can flunk to Zechariah and see exactly what he was what, doing, what he wrote about. So that's which so I cool. just read through that book not too long ago. The minor prophets are they're like the uh, the Rodney Dangerfield of the Bible. They don't get no respect. <laughs> they yeah. Well, they're they're really they're brutal and they are. And there's no real, like, they just end brutal. Like, they start out brutal and they end brutal. And there's no they're, remorse. There's, there's none. There's, there's a glimmer. They always have a glimmer of the gospel in there, the little glimmer of grace and hope and, mm-hmm. and repentance, but they're brutal. <laughs> and, you know, and it's uh, so funny, too, because, like, when people talk about how the gift of prophecy is about, you know, foretelling the future and things like that, like, if you ever read any of the biblical prophets, you know that what they're doing is they're warning people. They're not telling the future. They're telling them how bad they are right now, and that something bad will happen. Right. Yep. Yeah. They're they're. Uh, well, I just wrote a blog about this about the Mosaic Covenant, but yeah, you did. And that and a lot of people think prophets are like fortune tellers or seers, where they can see into the future and tell you the future. Mm-hmm. And that's not at all what a prophet is. A, a prophet is his main purpose was to preach the truth of God's word to the people at that time. And that's exactly what they did. Granted that some of them had visions, you know, there are still sometimes prophecies. They, sometimes they ate bread baked over cow poop or laid yeah. on their side for human, over human a year. Poop. Yeah. He, but God allowed him to downgrade it to cow poop. Well, I don't even know if that's any better. <laughs> at least I it mean, wouldn't make you ritually unclean. Well, that's, I, I think guess. Doesn't matter. You're going to be lying on your side for over a year. But anyway, I digress. So, all right, let's talk about a wall. You talk about a wall. The dedication let's of the talk, wall. Talk, well, did, did you? Okay, well, I want to talk about the wall. Can we talk about the wall? Wait, hold on. Yes, Donald. <laughs> Don't, we're going to talk about the wall. So verse 26 of chapter 12, uh, the CSB says, These served in the days of Joachim, son of Jeshua. Who is this Jeshua? Son of Josadak. I think we talked about him previously. I thought we did in chapter I think, 10. Okay. He was in Ezra 10. Okay. I could 10, not figure out where he were that name came from for the life of me. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I knew we talked about him briefly. He was somewhere else and I couldn't figure out where else he was at. But it's interesting because in his, the reference to him in 1018 was as one of the offenders of, um, intermarriage with Gentile people. Right. Ah. But in 12, eight, he is known as being involved in leading songs of Thanksgiving sung antiphonally. Yeah. Um, Possibly uh, Jeshua, son of Cadmiel, should read Jeshua Benui Benui, um, as in verse 8. I just saw that, and that's in one of my... 
things. So uh, probably the reason he's able to do that is because in Ezra 10, 19, um, the list of offenders that he was part of in 19, it says they pledged to put away their wives and being guilty, they offered a ram for the flock of their offense. So then because of the propitiatory sacrifice, the sin was wiped away and he was able to, um, to work in the house of the Lord. There you go. There's your gospel hit for the episode. See? He committed like important. one of the almost unpardonable sins at the time. And yeah. a little blood put him right back in the house of God. Boom. All right. On to the dedication of the wall. Yes. Okay. I'm, I wanted to get on, a, uh, on a, an exclusive psalmody uh, soapbox. <laughs> Well, here we go. <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? Why don't you just join the Reformed Pubcast? Well, because I'm I'm not exclusive psalmody. How about that? <laughs> Only half of them are. Yeah, I guess that's true. You're right. Um, I'm not that hardcore, but I think it's it's interesting because they had the full Book of Psalms here, and there would have been plenty of good psalms in there for them to have stood around and sung. But instead, it says in verse 27 that the people, um, they celebrate, uh, bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, and with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So I, like I do in every episode, fired up the Literal Word app because I wanted to see what word they used for hymns of thanksgiving and songs. And what did I find but not the word for psalms, which is Tehillim. Um, instead, Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought so. Um, the, the hymns of thanksgiving are, are Tada, which is the same word. They use that still today to mean thank you. So it's like thank you songs. And then the songs are sure, which basically just means a song with lyrics. Um, huh. And it's, it's also a word that's used for um, Levitical choirs also, which are a separate category from the Book of Psalms or Tehillim. So I think it's interesting hmm. that not only are they singing essentially non-inspired spiritual songs here, but they're also doing it with music. And this is just one of many passages that makes clear to me that it's... Um, it's good to praise God with musical instruments. So I know there are some folks, even especially right. some in the exclusive psalmody camp, that... Uh, acapella. Yeah, they do it completely acapella because it would be... Well, they say it doesn't comport with the regulative principle to use instruments. Now, what do you? how do you feel about today's contemporary types of worship? I hate it because they're written by <laughs> apostates. So, <laughs> so I'll I'll stick with the hymns. So God's um, reckless love is not. It's not true. Therefore, it shouldn't be sung. <laughs> we have to I worship in spirit like the, and truth. I mean, I could write a contemporary worship song. You know, find like four words, string them together, and just repeat it for five minutes. My grandma always called them Seven Eleven songs because it's seven <laughs> words and you repeat it eleven times. Oh gosh, that's awesome! 
but, man. I mean, I don't... Personally, I don't like contemporary worship music, um, at least as part of the worship service, you know, on the Lord's Day. Yeah. If you want to listen yeah. to that on your own time, that's okay. Um, but w- when you're think... in worship, oh, when you're in corporate worship, um, I, I think the best thing to do is to stick with you know, these spirit psalms and spiritual songs, these, you know, tested hymns that, that even singing them, I mean, that's what I rely on mostly. Cause I know my kids are seven and five and half the time they sleep through mm-hmm. the, through the sermon and they're collaring and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, but they get up with me and they sing these hymns that we sing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we sing a psalm or two. Yeah, and, we do. And they, they're singing right along, you know, they're trying their hardest and they're listening to the words. And, and even in those songs, they're being taught something because they're, they're, you know, they're doctrine rich, they're theologically rich mm-hmm. songs. These contemporary worship, uh, it, it, they're not, they're extremely no. shallow. Uh, most of the time they're wrong. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, not to... They really are, though. Uh, and another thing about them, too, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the lyri- the lyrical quality, but uh, the musical quality is also uh, an issue also. Um, the music is is usually... It's geared toward one person's voice. It's a, yeah. they're they're solo songs. They're not corporate songs, and a lot of them have um, strange, unexpected melodies that don't really fit with the lyrics too. Like they're not there's not much prosody, so you can't anticipate even if you don't know the song. One of the things I love about hymns is that they follow a pretty consistent structure on a whole. Even the contemporary right. hymns do. So even if you don't know the song, like within within the first verse and if it's got a chorus or a refrain you can tell oh this is where it's going and they it, and you know you can tell how the how the music's going to move because they're largely right. written kind of with the same progressions so it's comfortable and it's and th- geared for for corporate singing that's another th- i mean i'm a n- musically oriented person so i kind of have a lot to say regarding the subject but also say it baby also you know these con- contemporary worship songs um in in the context of corporate worship that is music that sounds just like you know basically like pop music today it's bad no um <laughs> no it it sounds like the world it looks like the world it feels like the world, and that's not what worship should be. Worship needs to be something set apart, special for the Lord's Day, and when we gather to worship God, that music needs to feel different. It needs to sound different, at least in my opinion. It, it hey, needs man. to be. It needs to be. I don't want to use the world the word otherworldly, but. It needs to be something other than what the world would listen to. It needs it to be need, holy. It needs to be holy or set apart for the you mm-hmm. know the the yeah. Lord's day. So, see, I'm on the opposite side of the fence. 
Get out of here. I like contemporary music. Personally. I like to listen Personally. to it, you know, out. Reformed but do you rap, like it, but do you like day. it for corporate worship? Mm, no, I, I wouldn't say corporate worship would be appropriate yeah. for. Now, I do like some contemporary songs for corporate worship. Um, Shane and Shane, you raise they, me up. <laughs> Shane and Shane, they have <laughs> they have some great ones. I, I yeah, really Shane and Shane's good. Really enjoy City them. of Light is really good. Um, Sovereign. Sovereign Grace. Yeah, Sovereign Grace are really good. Um, um, anything by the Gettys is good. Of course, I know our the Hymns of Grace want, has a lot of Getty songs, too. I want a corporate worship service that is all Reformed rap. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that that's where I was getting to. I, I really enjoy Reformed rap. Hymns, hymns bore me to death. Like, I can not stand there. That's because you're not spiritual. I'm not. I'm not musical is what it is. But I'm just sitting there going, I'd rather listen to Shy Lin right now than whatever (laughs) we're singing right now. Now, Right, right. And hymns are like, are like kind of like bluegrass for me where. Like died out. You've heard heard of. (laughs) No. Hey, watch it. (laughs) Like you hear a bluegrass song and you know you know where it's gonna go. Right. Like, Dead like the it's reformers. Not sp- yes. It's not gonna spring something on you. Like it's comfortable. I, I just find hymns to be very comfortable. Yes, they're they're comfortable, but they're also They're like broken they're like your favorite broken in pair of jeans. Right, but they feel like elevator music. You know, you're sitting in there and you're just like I wish this elevator would end almost, you know? You need to repent, son. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sorry. I just, I cannot get into hymns. Only some. There's some that, like the older ones, I can enjoy. Some of these hymns, like if I have some lady just um, right in my neck, in my ear, you know, like my wife who can't carry a tune in a bucket, you know, then <laughs> then I feel like the hymn is destroyed, you know, and I'm just like, wow, I'm not enjoying this at all. <laughs> and I'm sorry, God. <laughs> but, so basically, you don't like hymns because your wife ruins them for oh, you. No, it's not just them. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I stand there by Sean as well. So, you know, so I'm sitting there just hey! trapped in the middle. <laughs> I can carry a team. Yeah. I, I've heard his, his, uh, his Prince covers, um, the, the right. boy can sing. Don't, the, don't, don't get me, don't make me sing Kiss, okay? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, you're never ready for it. But, you know, I'm just not, I was, I grew up in hymns, and I just, I, I'm not, I'm not a hymnal guy. Um, it feels my choice, you know, but it's not my choice, it's the church's choice. I would throw hymns out altogether and just bring them in on certain occasions. <laughs> but that's just me. And I mean, and see, I'm like the, I, yes. I we can see know. who's not reformed in this room. So <laughs> I'm, I'm the opposite. I mean, all I ever, I've never heard. I've never been in a church service that used a contemporary worship song. Uh-huh. I've always had a hymnal. And uh, so when I started going to Logansville, that, you know, that how they just used the hymnal is, was wonderful. Um, for me, it was comforting. It was familiar. 
if if they were up there with like guitars and a drum set and everybody's like swaying with their hands up and their eyes closed, I probably would have walked out. Oh, <laughs> oh you would have you would have you would have joined in. You would have been there with your no. lighter. Yeah, <laughs> I've been. <laughs> Freebird! I'm like Freebird, yeah. Uh, I've been on both sides of that exchange, and I'm I'm much more comfortable on the uh, on the hymnal side than the uh, lyrics thrown on the uh, on the big screen teleprompter. Yeah, kind of guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, how I look at hymns is another way, uh, a deeper way that reflects, because usually. What what's done is whatever the sermon is and is whatever the the sermon's going to be about. They choose hymns that reflect that sermon, and it helps bring more depth when you listen to the lyrics of the of the hymns. It brings more depth out of the sermon, and it, it helps it helps um, your understanding. So that's how I look at that you're, you're not going to really get that out of a contemporary worship song anymore. Um, I don't think I could be wrong, but I just feel Adam, the out of the contemporary re- worship that people are talking about most, like you're not going to get that out of a Bethel song or right. an elevation right. song or right. really, although this was more true in the past, but not really even out of a hill song song either. <laughs> hill song song. So, so song song. But um, yeah, you're, some of them have been kind of hit or miss in the last few years, but still, on a whole, lyrically, you really can't beat the classic hymns. Right. You can't beat Place in This World by Michael W. Smith. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> or anything by Carmen. The Gaithers? I, or, that uh, man. I, I have Place in This World by Michael W. Smith on my iPhone. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm alone in the car, I turn it up real loud and I sing it. <laughs> right, but but here's 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 the main point. Here's the main point. So with hymnals, contemporary worship, it's not about our particular wants and needs or our particular desires. Um, just because we like certain music doesn't mean that's the proper form of music. Um, it's all about worshiping God. That's what you're there for. Um, so if your church is a hymnal church. Don't try to change it. I mean, it's it's a hymnal church, and that's how they're going to worship. So it's not about you. Just join in and be one with the body. Right. Um, right. And that that exactly. that's where it's it gets hey, difficult. Hey man. Hey man. So, but that that's where it is. I mean, I wish, and especially if you're in a reformed church, as long as what you're doing conforms with the regulative principle, then then go for it. Yeah. You know if. Don't don't blow the smoke machine. Don't start shooting the laser lights. All that stuff. Like we're we're there to worship God, not not pretend we're in a nightclub. Right. You know. And I guess my whole point in bringing this up is the fact that um that it's not I don't think it's more consistent with the regulative principle to deny the use of musical instruments or deny the use of hymns or other songs because God's people haven't always sung the hymns, but they have, they have sung psalms and hymns in spiritual songs, like Paul says, with musical accompaniment. Right. So I think, I, I would think it would be a big mistake for Reformed people to say, 
it's the only way to uh, to um, follow the regulative principle when it comes to musical worship is with psalms only and no musical instruments. Yeah, they didn't That's have it. electric guitars back then or a drum set, you know. Oh, the the closest thing, thing was that was the harp, and that was like kind of like heavy rock for the time. Those things yeah, are I legit. Mean, serious shredding. Going on Even right the little there. hand harps, like those things are legit. They sound awesome. Oh man, have you have you seen this video of this girl playing? Um, oh shoot, hang on. Let me see if I can find it. Wasn't she playing like classical music on a harp? No, she's or playing that uh, song from. I, s- I saw somebody play "Stairway to Heaven" on a harp one time. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. I sent it to you guys. It's actually a some girl. harps actually. Is... She's playing. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, what is this song? It's by Justin Bieber or something. What do you mean? You're talking. Stop talking. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. gosh. I can't think of that it's, song. It's uh, De- um, Despacito. Yes. Um, but she's playing it on a harp, and she kills it, which is phenomenal. Oh, my god. I was goodness. sitting there in awe, like, the whole time. I watched it three times. Wow. Yeah, it's impressive. That's incredible. So, so they celebrated at the wall, and I, I just had one note. Well, I was gonna say, you know, basically, verse forty-three sums up. That's like the the climax of the of the dedication of the wall. They offered a great sacrifice and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. So even the that, women that, and children rejoiced. Yeah. I think that's so, an interesting detail that Nehemiah puts in there. It was because uh, they would have been separated in the in the worship uh, if they were in formal worship, because the women would be on one side and the men would be on another side. Right. But that was that was the uh, the key to it all was the sacrifice, you know. So, which is uh, that's in what a dedicated sense, it. In a sense, point is points to Christ. So, absolutely. All right. So. Well, let's just go ahead and wrap it up. Um, Sean Lee, where can they find us? I'll do it. Of course, you will. Good. I don't okay. want to. <laughs> so you can go to our website, guyswithbibles.com. You can listen to the podcast on there and read our blogs. Um, you can also go to iTunes or Google Play or Overcast or um, whatever Podbean. you listen to your podcast. Yeah, whatever you listen to Pocket your podcast on, we're probably going to be on there. And search Guys with Bibles and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes or Google Play especially, uh, go ahead and give us a five-star review and write a little blurb about how awesome we are. And then if Please. you... If you search on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search for Guys With Bibles and follow us and, and like our Facebook group and, and request to join in and uh, we will accept your request and you'll be in there talking with everybody. And, uh, and if you want to talk to us directly if you want to send us a message directly you can email us at guyswbibles at gmail.com 
Right on. Oh, can oh. I do a shout out? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. When you guys are jumping on the podcatcher to subscribe to us, if you haven't already, you really should check out the new show by Stephen Melnis Mel Stephen Melnison uh, under the nib N I B. Uh, it's a great show that he's just starting, and he's doing a study actually of Hebrews on his show. And then in the midst, he's talking about fountain pens and journals and notebooks and. Uh, all sorts of cool stuff like that. So Does he talk kinda, about pencils? He mentioned, actually, he mentioned us on his third episode. He just made a, a passing reference to making notes with pencils sometimes. And he mentioned that, that we, at least two-thirds of us, are avid pencil people on the show. <laughs> and uh, and he, But then he talked about mechanical pencils, which kind of hurt me a little bit inside because wood case pencils are so much better than mechanical pencils. So... I, weeks ago, when he first announced that he... Actually, months ago now, but when he first announced he was going to do the show, I said, you know, if you ever want any pencil-related color commentary, hit us up, because I'd be ready to talk about pencils anytime. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're gosh. such a nerd. Such a nerd. <laughs> also, uh, check out The Bar uh, podcast the with, with Dwayne Atticson, and also his new podcast, Lee, what is it? Dwayne's Sidebar. Yeah, it's sidebar. It's yeah. his daily show. It's his daily show. And so it's you, in the mornings and, after and, and his Dwayne's, workouts. Dwayne said the the reason that Lee's so smart is because he listens to the sidebar every day. Yeah, it's and true. It, so that's why I'm such a simpleton. Also, Chad Bird, <laughs> check him out on Forty Minutes in the Old Testament. And also next Friday, we will be having on a special guest. His name's Donovan Riley. He recently wrote the book, Crucifying Religion. And you can also listen to his podcast. It's called Warrior Priests. Um, Such a good title. Check that out. It's really cool. And yeah. So uh, we'll see you guys later. We're guys with Bibles. We're out. No, you won't. It's a podcast. talking about the hamsters sorry <laughs> of course they're tell, so important the hey hamsters. tell him i have more if he needs them no we don't need any more <laughs> he he definitely needs more no. but uh